Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, where domestic football is back. It might only be the Carabao Cup, but it's very much the warm-up for the return of the Premier League on Boxing Day. The World Cup is done and dusted, and now it's full focus back onto club football. And it's a great start to life at Wolves for Julien Lopetegui as they won in the Cup last night. Wins as well for Leicester, Newcastle and Southampton. And the small matter of a Man City versus Liverpool game to look forward to as well. Not only will we be looking at those League Cup matches, but we'll also be looking ahead to the January transfer window, which, believe it or not, opens in just 10 days' time. Manchester United have already made some internal moves. Brentford might need to make some external ones. And also there are some players being sniffed around after excellent World Cup campaigns. Welcome along to the show. My name's Niall and joining me today, Joel Tudor. Amali Anderson, how are you doing, boys? Good morning. Yeah, not, not too bad. Not too bad. And you've been to the uh, x-ray room this morning, Marley, haven't you? Yep. Got a, <laughs> just got a little uh, update on my hand. It's all, it's all fine. Just need to give it three or four weeks uh, rest and uh, keep this ugly looking splint on my arm so no one can even sign it that's the annoying thing i wanted to do that thing like you do in school where you all sign you all get your uh you know your, your, your sharpies out and sign it and stuff but it's not one of them casts unfortunately so i'm not going to uh when you say sign it you mean draw and balls on it well, don't you because that's all that used to happen 100 percent, yeah and also it's new year's <laughs> eve coming up so it would be by the time january the first rolled around there wouldn't be a, a, a square inch on it without a, a <laughs> <laughs> Something dodgy yeah. to veg. put on it. A phallic object. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joel, are you all tip- in tip-top shape? I'm in tip-top shape, but I'm going to be real with you boys. I, I cannot cope with this come down from going through Mbappe and Messi <laughs> to Burnley against United tonight and talking about Wolves and 
can't remember the other team now. The Wolves <laughs> game, it's just, it's a big come down. Like, I need a little bit of adaptation. It's a transition for transition period for me at the moment. So forgive me, but God, it feels like a pre-season, doesn't it? Well, the World Cup final was on Sunday. And as Joel rightly says, two days later, we're back into the swing of things with domestic football in England. The Carabao Cup is taking place this week with matches last night, tonight, and of course, tomorrow. All teams are vying for a spot in the quarterfinals. And some of those Premier League sides we've already mentioned have secured your passage to the next stage but you're absolutely right Joel there is an element of the pre-seasons about it I watched some of the games last night and I was thinking they're almost being used as a warm-up for the return of the Premier League this weekend or on Boxing Day we should say so is that something you'd agree with? Yeah I think so Um, I think the good thing for all these teams especially Wolves is, is that the form that they had prior to the World Cup, I think it bears absolutely no relevance now. I don't think it bears any relevance for any teams going into this next stage of the season. It feels like a new season starting, in my opinion. Because if we remember, every time it goes from June and then the season ends, they get a month and a half off and then obviously pre-season starts. I feel like it feels that kind of break and that new start to the season, especially because there's going to be a few injuries. Obviously, new managers, Julian Lopetegui is going to be in charge of Wolves for the next, well, let's see how long he lasts for. But it just seems like a whole clean slate for every single team. And with these Carabao Cup games, I think they're probably essential. I think managers would have preferred to have these cup games rather than going straight into the, you know, the bit the big business of a Premier League game and starting off difficultly because they haven't had any time with the players and they haven't had time to have a match like a Carabao Cup match where they can just test them out and just get a bit of minutes into the legs because let's not forget as well a lot of these players for these clubs especially the lower uh, the lower teams in the Premier League they've been on holiday for the last month or away from football so they need to get minutes in the legs again like I say so it definitely does feel like a bit of a pre-season and um, almost like a warm-up before they start getting into the business of the Premier League again which is why I think it'll be quite a slow start going into these uh, festive period fixtures. It's a really good point, Joel. And if you just look at the Leicester team chosen by Brendan Rodgers last night to face MK Dons, who are 22nd in League One, five players who featured in Qatar at the World Cup started last night, including the likes of Tielemans and Jamie Vardy, who both scored. So in terms of really getting that match sharpness back ahead of the Boxing Day fixtures, which we'll preview on Friday on Football Social Daily, by the way, then there's certainly an element of managers using that um, to their advantage. And talking of managers, Jelen Lopetegui Marley picked up his first victory for his new club, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they beat Gillingham. They would have been expected to beat Gillingham anyway, I think, regardless of whether they had a manager or not. But do you think that the break in the season for the World Cup would have done Lopetegui a favour by allowing him time to settle and get used to his surroundings, like the training ground, meet some of the players who maybe weren't in Qatar, rather than had he just come straight into the thick of it before the World Cup when the matches were really coming thick and fast? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the only sort of opposite of that is is you don't quite ride that new manager bounce, but it doesn't always work like that. You know, not every manager gets a new manager bounce type of thing. So even with that, I mean, can you still ride it when the season starts? Uh, again, you know, um, there's no reason why why they can't. And I think the the break of of working with who you've got is is much more important than than winning a couple of games because you can set out exactly what tactics you want. I think there was a report that I read yesterday about how he was surprised at the fitness um, and basically said they're not very fit. 
um, in, in no sort of, not exact words, but that's what he was implying. Um, so that month that he's had with them, you know, you can do two weeks solid fitness and, and make up that level type of thing. So I think it's massive for him. And I think that's why Wolves waited um, and and had the um, the interim manager for, for you know, for, for quite a period and, uh, and ended up saying, right, well, we're not going to rush to fill the gap three weeks before Qatar. We're going to use the Qatar um, break to, to bring in a new manager and then give him basically a full pre-season because how many times have we seen it over the years where a manager comes in towards Christmas time and, and just takes four weeks to get his strongest team out and then they don't start improving for another five, six weeks after that. So it's that type of um, strange situation that Wolves need to use to their advantage really and you know, even though it's only Gillingham last night, winning's winning's a habit, isn't it? You've got to get, you've got to beat what's in front of you. And Wolves haven't been beating anything what's in front of them so far this season. So now they have to start and and uh, fight from the bottom of the league. Well, we've seen Wolves take on Gillingham. I've already mentioned Leicester against MK Dons. Do you think managers in the Premier League would rather have been in the position of a Pep Guardiola or a Jurgen Klopp, Joel, in terms of the fact that it's Manchester City against Liverpool tomorrow night in the Carabao Cup for a spot in the quarterfinals. Would someone like Brendan Rodgers or Lopetegui would rather have come up against a, a Premier League opponent to give them a more tougher test going into these Boxing Day matches? Or I know you can't pick and choose who the draw is, but some might argue that although MK Dons and Gillingham were good exercises for those two respective clubs last night, they might have been better off testing themselves against a Premier League opponent. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's more so just like Marley said, just getting a victory because it just is such a great morale booster, especially for a team like Wolves, who are slam bottom of the Premier League, um, scored eight goals, which is the fewest in the Premier League as well, the fewest wins in the Premier League. Just a win, a win, getting that mentality going again under a new manager and the belief again. I think it's just vital. And I know it's a Carabao Cup game, but I feel like the essence of Carabao Cup has just gone in these games. I think even if the manager's lost, it would be more so a case of, well, you know what? I don't really need to continue in this competition. I just needed my players to be ready for when we actually go again in the Premier League, which is where it really matters. And it's going to be interesting to see as well, like you mentioned, how City are going to fare because they might be... I would say out of the top six sides, probably the best equipped going into the new season. And that's purely because the majority of their players went out in the last 16 or the quarterfinals. So they've already had a good week off because I think the quarterfinals finished around the 10th of December, something like that. So they've had a decent amount of time off already. They've already had a good match rhythm going into it as well because, you know, all the group games and a couple of the knockout games. And obviously you've got Erling Haaland who's going to be completely fresh and fit. That's if he hasn't been to Ibiza partying his head off for a month. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how they do, but I do think they are probably best equipped going into it. And yeah, it's more a case of just match fitness because, again, this is a new scenario for every single Premier League club. They've never had to contend with players coming back from an ultra-competitive tournament and then bedding them in with players who have had time off. They don't know whether they've been working or resting uh, and bedding them all in together. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic when we see on the 26th onwards just how, how well they fare on the pitch, to be honest. Interesting you say about Wolves being bottom of the league and having not scored many goals. I think 
I saw a stat yesterday. I might well be mistaken here, but Gillingham, their opponents, have only scored six goals all season. So I think it was a pretty Christ. good test of, <laughs> of two striking, uh, two attacks that are pretty much misfiring at the moment. But they managed to get the job done against Gillingham, as did Leicester. Uh, Southampton managed to squeeze past Lincoln City. They're through to the next round. And Newcastle saw off Premier League opposition Marley. They beat AFC Bournemouth. We've already discussed the fact that Manchester City against Liverpool is tomorrow. There's Nottingham Forest versus Blackburn tonight. Manchester United take on Burnley. So when you look at who's left in the hat and one of the big boys of City or Liverpool will definitely bow out tonight, uh, tomorrow, it's a good chance this season in the Carabao Cup for a team outside of what we'd call the traditional top six. And I am looking at the likes of Newcastle United. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I think um, the the draw of... of, of um... <coughs> Of Liverpool and Man City coming together is is great because um, you don't want to be having to beat Liverpool in a semi final and then Man City in a final, for example. Um, Man City have pretty much monopolised this uh, this tournament for the last four. I think they won it four out of the last five years, haven't they? So it's um, and the only other team to win it is, has been Liverpool last year. So I think um, them two meeting is nice, um, and I think you can tell by the way. I think the team Newcastle put out last night was was. Um, a clue as to how seriously we're taking this because there was there was every um expectance that uh, Chris Wood would start and maybe Jacob Murphy and, and you know a couple of sort of slight fringe players. Um but it, it didn't work out like that. He he went he went full strength um and I was like oh, okay that's that's good because I ultimately want to win the game. It's a chance to get to Wembley which Newcastle have still never played at the uh, at the new Wembley, and God knows how long it's been open now. So you can't even call it the new new Wembley anymore. So yeah, fifteen years, I think. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the last time we went was two thousand, the FA Cup final in in two thousand, where we got beat. I mean, that's too. I know you've had Mike Ashley. Yeah, and that's eaten up a lot of time, but that's too long for a club like Newcastle United. Because even if you look at a club like Everton, for example, who aren't one of the major clubs in the country, but they're still a a big big football club in England. Um, did they get to the 2009 FA Cup final where they were beaten by Chelsea? And, you know, that's their most recent visit. But for a club like Newcastle to have not been there for that long, as you say, I mean, surely with the way things are going under Eddie Howe, that's got to change soon, even if it's like a, just a FA Cup semi-final or something. Yeah, I hope so. Um, that's uh, I want that. I want that day out. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't I, go, I avoid London if I can, but I think I'd make an exception for uh, if we ever got to uh Got to Wembley, whether it's a Carabao Cup final or or a semi or whatever, doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, it's it's a chance. It's a chance for us to 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 do this. I I always say you can get to the Carabao Cup quarters and sometimes semis without really doing that much work. Just taking it seriously will get you mm. through those rounds, those round three, four, five, and and then you're in the quarters. So it's um it's one of those where whoever takes it seriously can can make an impact but it's a lot of you know most teams have other things on their on their case sort of thing you know wolves trying to stay in the, in the premier league southampton similar if we draw one of them in the semis um you know it's it's fair you know a very good chance isn't it you know um they'll be worried about staying mm. in the league because the league will have obviously restarted by then so you know by the time the next round comes around you could have an easy draw to get into the uh, into the last four, and then then you can really look at the final and, and see what happens. Just quickly, then before we move on, I'm expecting a, a sharp answer from you on this one, Marley. Would you rather win the Carabao 
finish outside of the Champions League places or finish in the Champions League but fall up short in the Carabao? Uh, win the Carabao. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. I would be the exact because same. I think I, I think with without sounding big-headed, if you can win the Carabao and finish fifth or sixth, I think with a bit of strengthening, you, the Champions League will would follow. Like the the progression and the money's there to to push on. It's not like we're we're sort of fluking it sort sort of thing, and it's like a hmm. a Southampton, for example. <laughs> I think the the sort of strategies there. So well, as yeah, long take as, silverware as soon as it comes, really. As long as they don't win it, Marley, I'm happy. <laughs> well, I've just I've just watched the highlights of Southampton Lincoln. I watched uh, eight minutes of them, and from what I can tell, they they were lucky because the the defending was terrible and the, their goals weren't much better either. So I don't uh, I don't see them going too much further. All right. Well, the Carabao Cup continues tonight and tomorrow, and of course on Friday we'll be back on Football Social Daily. We'll probably quickly recap those matches and those results. Not in too much detail though, because of course there is the Premier League to look forward to on the day after Christmas, the 26th of December, Boxing Day. The Premier League is back, and there are some good fixtures to look ahead to. Of course. We will preview those on Friday, but we shouldn't take our eye off the fact that the January transfer window opens in about 10 days' time. That's crept around quickly, hasn't it? I'm sure there's been lots of work going on behind the scenes during the World Cup, and we'll talk about some of that potential work next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is FSD Football Social Daily. Why not hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of this podcast. Myself, Joel and Marley are now going to chat about the January transfer window, which is open in about 10 or so days time. And we're going to start with Joel's club, Manchester United, who it's been revealed have triggered contract extensions for four players. Diogo Dallo and Luke Shaw, the two fullbacks, Marcus Rashford, the forward and central midfield player Fred. I think it's fair to say, Joel, that all four of those players have performed pretty well this season in the main. Is this an understandable decision from Manchester United to take up contract extensions for a further year on these four players? 
Yeah, I think so. I think it just buys the club a little bit more time because obviously it's been a season which is very different compared to others where I'm sure contract negotiations probably usually start around this time of year and then start going into the new year. Whereas, you know, players have probably just been not accessible for the last few months considering the preparations going into it. And like you say, you know, Diego Diego Dallo, he ended up benching Jao Cancelo in the World Cup. He's been one of the best performing right backs in the country easily since the start of the season. And he definitely deserves it. If anything, this kind of contract extension a procedure that United have probably benefits him more than most because it means that he continues on his his current salary and if his performances continue to improve as they did in the World Cup, I mean, he's on for a massive pay rise and a massive contract that they'll secure him down on, so that'll benefit him. Whereas I think the likes of Fred, it may not benefit him just in the case that I'm sure Ten Hag is still not completely convinced. So if they give him this one-year contract and by the end of this season he's still not convinced by him then well you've preserved his transfer fee going into a year left on his contract whereas he might have just run out his contract and ended up going on a free this summer so there's there's pluses and minuses to both of these but I think obviously the star studded one is Marcus Rashford that you need to focus on because I know he's going to be one of the top earners at the club I said at the start of the season that this was probably one of the most important seasons of his career because the last two seasons have been really, really uncharacteristic of him in terms of his output, his attitude, everything on the pitch was completely different compared to when he was, uh, you know, under Mourinho and Solskjaer and just breaking into the squad under Van Gaal. So this is again another, I wouldn't say lifeline, but it buys United time to see how he progresses. And I definitely think that after Al-Khalafi, the PSG president, was making the comments of, basically putting it on record that he would definitely be interested in signing him because uh, foreign clubs can talk to players in the Premier League when they're approaching six months on the contract. Obviously, that gets prevented when United trigger these extensions, so it kind of fends them away for another year. Uh, So it's just beneficial all around for all parties, I think, and it'll just give them time to truly you know, develop the structure and what, what kind of contract they want to give them. But I'm happy with the decision and I'm just glad that, you know, we're not going to have to potentially lose them on a free like we did with Paul Pogba in the summer or, you know, a, a number of players that have completely been mismanaged. So, yeah, I think it should be beneficial for all parties, to be honest. I think it's worth mentioning that Marcus Rashford replied to a tweet on his social media the other day where... I can't remember what publication it was, but I think a, a newspaper or some sort of media outlet had reported that he's in line for a contract extension. And he responded to it, whether that's him, his PR team, his social media team, whatever, it's up for you to decide. But saying the response was effectively saying these sorts of articles don't help the cause of Manchester United. But a few days later, he is given a contract extension. So sometimes I do, I do wonder what the kind of the thought process is sometimes on social media for, for players. Um, interesting that Luke Shaw has been given a, a new extension as well. And Fred, who's had plenty of critics, um, particularly in that central midfield role, he's been lambasted at times for his performances for Manchester United, but he seems to have improved certainly over the last 18 months, if not first under Ralph Rangnick, but now under Eric Ten Hag, definitely. I would ask you, Marl, if you were going to drop one of those players of the four who's been given a new contract or an extended deal by Manchester United of Dallow, Shaw, Rashford and Fred. If you were to choose one to kind of lose, Fred. who would that be? Fred by a mile. I think he's... Mm. <laughs> I think he's... Um, 
No, I think he's rubbish, to be fair. But uh, it's one of them where, like, I think he's <laughs> he's almost like got better, but still poor. Like, I think he was really, really poor at the start, and then he got a little bit better. And people sort of give him a pass for getting better, but he's nowhere near the level required. Why do you think it is that he's poor? Is it the is it the pace of the game, Marnie? Because we see him for Brazil. We saw him during the World Cup, and he was okay, you know. And, and he, he gets in the Brazil team. Um, but international football notoriously is a slightly slower pace than domestic football, particularly the Premier League. Do you think that, that there's an element of that to it? Or are we just looking for excuses? Is it pressure? Because surely the pressure of playing for Brazil is without any disrespect to Manchester United, who are probably the biggest football club on the planet. I mean, playing for Brazil comes with its own pressures, probably similar in stature to that of playing for Manchester United. So, you know, it, it can't be the pressure of it. No, I think um, it's a combination of the pace of the league and the physicality required to, um, you've either got to be physical or you've got to be clever. Um, if you haven't got physicality, you need to be, you know, one step ahead of, of everyone else. And I don't think he's that good. So I think he, he does get drawn into the physical side of it and he has got a bit of aggression and he'll, he'll stick his foot in and stuff, but I don't think he, he gets enough respect from opposition. I think like when you're playing centre midfield, I think a lot of the, um, you know, if you talk about people like Perlo and Modric and they are like, you know, elite sort of never needed pace, played the game with the brains type of thing. I think in centre midfield to be that, you you need to be a bit more clever than he is. I think he does he does the simple things. He doesn't he's not massively creative. He's he's you know, ten, fifteen, twenty yard passes. He won't uh he won't pick a lock in a midfield type of thing. He's it's just sort of okay everything and that's that's not good enough for Man United. They need they need either a deep lying playmaker or a ball winner, and he's he's neither of those. I don't think. I think Casemiro is obviously the the leading ball winner in there. He'll he'll protect the back line and, and stuff, but he needs someone alongside him who can pass. And I think if you look at Bruno Gomares at, at Newcastle, he's he's the sort of deeper lying lying sort of uh, um, what's the word like just orchestrate almost, almost yeah yeah, mm. yeah like a, like a metronome like everything goes through him. And well, they call it the Trecortista, don't they, in Italian football? I think that's the the technical yeah. term for it these days. Yeah, I just I don't think, I just don't think he's good enough. I think I mean I went to um, Newcastle against Man United at Old Trafford in in um, October. It was when uh, when it was was it uh, was it nil nil or one one? It was nil nil actually. Yeah. Um, and when when Fred got the ball, I was signing the Man United end. So when Fred got the ball, there was just a uh, a lull around the around the um, the ground. It was like, oh, Fred's got it. Like it could go to Bruno, it could go to Anthony, it could go to like Martial or whoever's on. And instead, it goes to Fred, and everyone kind of goes, oh, like we're gonna go backwards now. And you know, most of the time, he would he would stop, put his foot on the ball, and, and pass it sideways. And it's it's not the way Man United are used to. Um, over the years, you know, it's it's much more higher tempo than than he likes to play. I think so. And I don't quite know how he's got a contract extension, but that that's it at Man United, isn't it? You, they don't sell players for profit very often. Um, and I think if you paid fifty million for Fred, you know, what's the point in accepting fifteen, twenty million for him if if he goes as a twenty nine, thirty year old? So, what's the point? You might as well keep him. You might as well just have him round the place and try and get a. Um, a replacement when the opportunity arises. I need to apologise to any 
Italian fans listening, my uh, Zornamista is not particularly good in terms of the knowledge of what each word means for each position. Uh, I was just thinking there's a few. There's Regista, Trecortista, and I can't remember which <laughs> one is which. Um, but I think everyone got Marley's point there in terms of how Bruno Gimaraes plays. And maybe that's something that Fred can learn from his Brazilian compatriot. Just quickly, before we move on from Manchester United, Joel, I wanted to get your opinion. Ander Herrera has done a podcast with the club this week and he basically broke down in tears when he was asked about the time he had to leave Old Trafford. He was not handed a contract extension by the club at the time. This was about four or so years ago and obviously he's moved on since then, but clearly he's still very emotional. What did you make of that when you saw it? I mean, there's conflicting stories about his contract extension because from what I've heard, he did get offered one prior to the for, prior to the winter and he basically opted to go for the higher offer, which was the Paris Saint-Germain one, because he was getting a massive pay increase, um, a more longer-term contract as well. And I guess aside from the the money aspects and the contract extension, Herrera's one of the few players, he always reminds me of Bruno Fernandes in the way in which he conducted himself at the club, which was someone who, despite being from a very different culture, very different background, had no association with United prior to coming he just took the values of the club and what it truly meant to play for the club very, very quickly and almost bought into it as if he was, you know, a local Manchester boy and had just grown up in the culture and the mystique around United. And I think everyone appreciated him for that because he always went on the pitch and just gave his 100%. I think it's probably characteristic of Basque players in general, to be honest. But I just think that for him, he just really bought into it, learned the language very, very quickly, uh, settled down very quickly. And he was he was a good player for us. I would have liked to have seen him a little bit longer. I think he's one of the few players that definitely didn't deserve to be let go on a free compared to some of the players that have been kept um, very unjustifiably and given new contracts who were way less quality than he is. And yeah, I do, I, I do appreciate him as a player, but I mean, I'm sure he had an offer to stay. And if he did, then I don't see any reason to be emotional about that because if you really wanted to stay, you would accept lower terms and you would stay regardless of what's being offered to you from the likes of Paris Saint-Germain. But yeah, he's, he was a really good player for us, but I don't. I think at this day and age now, looking at him in terms of pure quality-wise, um, he's not the kind of midfielder you're probably going to want to have if you want to go for the top titles and go you know the Premier League but for what he was at the time I think he was the perfect kind of person to be at the club just the wrong era and the and don't, don't get me wrong as well he won a few trophies at United mm. so it wasn't exactly a poor um a poor poor role that he played at United he won quite a lot so yeah he's, he's, a, he's a great player for us in that time period I would say well, that's Joel's opinion. What's yours? Let us know on social media. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at FSDpod. So Manchester United have triggered contract extensions for Diogo Dallo, Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford and Fred. And down about a two hour train ride in North London away from Manchester, uh, Martinelli, another Brazilian, is in line for a new Arsenal deal, according to one report, Marley. It's going to be worth £200,000 a week. We always knew that Gabriel Martinelli was a top talent, but £200,000 a week is a lot of money. Is it fair to say that he's earned that this season with his performances? Arsenal are currently leading the way in the Premier League, of course. He's played exceptionally well. He's been a key part of that. Uh, I guess it's just rewards as far as the Arsenal fans are concerned. Yeah, I think um, it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but I feel like you've almost got to look at this in the way of 
Um, what is is he a player that can get to two hundred grand a week level? And I, I would say yeah, because I think he's one of the best youngsters in the world. I think he's he's got a proper eye for goal um, from out wide, where he will in years to come score fifteen twenty a season off that off that left hand side. If he if he matures into that sort of role long term, he, he might end up as a central striker because I think he's that good. That good a finisher. I think we might see him uh, deputising for Jesus in the next couple of months and seeing if he can work there as well. But I think that it's almost like I think they give him a contract last year as well. And I think you he's maturing so quick you've got to keep giving him contracts because people will will try and turn his head. You know, I think every Brazilian player um wants to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona. They're the they're the holy grail for, for every, any young Brazilian coming through. Um, so you've got to sort of guard against that. And I think, you know, you're looking at some of the other top top uh, clubs around the, the world will also be keeping eyes on him if, if he was ever to be to become available or or they noticed that he was on 60, 70 grand a week because they could go in and double it and say, right, we'll, we'll pay the, we'll sort the fee out with the club and then we'll double your wages. And that would, that would easily sort of tempt him. Whereas when he's on 200, you know, he becomes less, less viable. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a much bigger uh, ask for a club to come in and pay. I mean, what transfer fee would he want? Eighty million minimum, probably. So then you're looking at eighty million plus three fifty a week or three hundred a week minimum for anyone to come and buy him. So I think it's uh, it's smart by Arsenal because you know you want him for the next at least five six years. He's he's twenty is he twenty two something like that. He's he's on the verge of the Brazil squad. Um, if Neymar hangs him up, he's he's probably in that squad. Uh, the the next time the the Copa America qualification comes around, so it's uh, I think it's it's a decent move. I think he's going to get that money somewhere. So why not let it be at Arsenal and, and let him become like mature into the uh, into his final form type of thing, into his, the best he can be. So fair enough <laughs> like uh, from like, Arsenal. It's, it seems like decent business. Like a Pokemon. I don't even know what, what Pokemon is really. I've never watched it, but maturing <laughs> into its final form sounds like something you would see in Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon or something. <laughs> I keep saying it as well. And I'd almost like go to myself like, I'm talking like a Squirtle turning into a Blastoise or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Weird, isn't it? I don't, I don't even know about Pokemon to be honest. I just saw in the. Can you believe that it was in the news that the lead character from Pokemon is leaving the show after twenty five years? I was like, it's a cartoon. It's like if they Massive killed off Homer that. Simpson or something. That Bigger than Messi. Well, right. it's, uh, my my mum and dad are moving house at the minute, so they um they emptied the loft a few months ago, um and they give me this jiffy bag, and I was like, what's in that? And oh, it's your old. Pokemon cards when I was like nine years old and I was like all right okay brilliant showed them to my mate who's playing who who still plays Pokemon Go despite being 33 and an absolute nerd um and he was like <laughs> he said I think that's worth something like he pointed out this this card he said I think that's worth something I'm and he goes I'm, I'm in a whatsapp group with a bunch of nerds I'll uh, I'll, I'll ask him <laughs> and uh it comes back and one of them had said look that that card's worth something um have a look on eBay but I think it's worth about 150 quid um, and one of them oh. sold on eBay about three weeks before that for, I think it's like 168 quid or something like that. So wow. I was like, oh, mint, I've got a bag full of them. I'd, I'm going to have to go through them and see them, see if any of them are uh, worth something and get a nice little Christmas uh, Christmas sale going on. i tell you what I have at my parents' house, and we're completely going down a rabbit hole here, but I love it. Um, <laughs> I've got 
old uh, WWF wrestling figures. Like I'm talking really old from the 80s and 90s. I'm talking Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, Undertaker, like original um, action figures that my cousin gave to me when I was really young. And they're still in a box in a cupboard at my mum and dad's house and I reckon I might have to dust them off this Christmas because they could be worth a few quid as well I have to check on eBay need to pay for the heating somehow lads don't we let's be honest Um, right let's talk about January transfers because that's what we're here for on Football Social Daily and it's been revealed in the last 24 hours that Ivan Tony, who was charged before the World Cup with breaches of the betting rules has been charged again with a further 30 counts of infringing those said rules. He's got until the 4th of January to respond to the charges. Simply put, Joel, we don't know what's going to happen with Ivan Tony, and we shouldn't speculate on what might happen to him, whether he gets a ban or whether he gets um, relieved of all charges. We don't know what's going to happen yet, and it's not fair of us to talk about it. So in terms of just Brentford's perspective, do they need to be proactive with this? Do they need to throw caution to the wind and dip into the market for a new centre forward in light of the situation we see with Ivan Tony. Well, you must have been liking those bet builders in the World Cup if it's gone up an extra 30 or 40 in the last month because, my God, I don't know how much more you can go with that. But, yeah, we said just before the World Cup how, as we compared it with Kieran Trippier's case where he only had one count and he got, I think, what was it, six to eight weeks ban while he was still at Atletico Madrid. And now that... You know, 262 counts is is a lot. And I think we also raised the point that if Brentford were wanting him to be charged, it would be as soon as possible when it first came out of the allegations, which was around uh, October time. And now that the fact he's got until January the 4th to respond, it just means that he's going to drag completely into the depths of the season where he's probably end up going to... I'm guessing he's going to end up getting some kind of charge... Um, right in the thick of when Brentford need him the most. And they've got no option but to dip into the transfer window. And I'm sure they'll want to know um, the outcome of it as soon as possible because they're not going to want to gamble and not touch the transfer window for any striker. And then suddenly in February he gets charged and then you know they're completely left with, left with their legs between the tail. They need to be proactive with it. And... If Bright, sorry, if Brentford are to stay up, considering the fact that Ivan Tony scored so many goals for them this season so far already, was in contention to get in the England squad, it just shows just how much of a miss this could be if he is to be charged. So I think for Brentford, it is pretty worrying times because losing your star player, um, a player who is most likely going to keep you up, is a massive worry for them. No doubt they would have had discussions about this behind the scenes at Brentford Community Stadium. We mentioned this before the World Cup, but just to confirm, Ivan Tony has been charged with a further 30 breaches of the betting rules he's got until early January to respond to those charges. We don't know if Brentford are going to go into the market to buy a striker to replace him because let's just face it, he is the talisman. And if he's banned for a period of months, then they're going to miss him. That's for sure. Okay, final one we're going to talk about is very topical because he's just won the World Cup and that is Brighton's Alexis McAllister. Apparently he's interesting the likes of Arsenal and Atletico Madrid, Mali. I'm sure they're not the only two clubs that would have seen his performances in Qatar. So testament to Brighton that they've produced yet another player or they've developed yet another player who's attracting some significant interest. Yeah, they've uh, they've done it again, haven't they? They've done it with Cucurella, they've done it... Um, done it with Ben White, you know, they're probably going to do it with Robert Sanchez and and players like that. And it's McAllister's the next one, 
next one off the the line sort of thing. But it's um it's no surprise. It's it's almost bittersweet because you see you see the likes of Aston Villa and Brighton going. You know we've got a World Cup winner in our team, and then and then you think. You know, Emmy Martinez and and McAllister are going to come back and play with the likes of John McGinn and Danny Welbeck, and it's not quite the same <laughs> as looking up and threading a through ball towards Messi or Julian Alvarez or Angel Di Maria um, and winning the World Cup. It, it's going to make them think about the future because the the stock will never be higher. And I think McAllister's stock was already high. I think he was scoring some goals this season and put, turning in some performances which were were already sort of. Um, very eye-catching to big to big clubs, um, and that that is what happens. You know, it's 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 the Brighton way where they will sell sell him on. I think I can see him leaving in the summer, um, and it's a bit of a shame for them because it's kind of like two steps forward and one step back type of thing. But um, that is that is what happens, and they'll get paid very very well for him, and probably talking sixty million plus for him. Um, He's only young. He's got maturity to his game already, which makes him like I was talking about Fred before, and you know Fred can't particularly sort of pass or see the game very well. McAllister can. McAllister can see passes. He can, he can dictate tempo of games. He can dribble nice and close to his feet and get himself out of tight situations. He's got pretty much the full package type of thing. He can hit a mint free kick as well as we've seen in the in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, but you know my favourite Alexis McAllister fact, and obviously we've gone through the fact that his surname is of Scottish descent, and it's to do with some Scottish people that settled in Argentina a couple of hundred years ago. My favourite Alexis McAllister fact: Go on. his brother's called Kevin. <laughs> I love the fact that McAllister is more famous than Kevin as well, the the movie star. I never thought at Christmas time there'd be a more famous McAllister, but here we are. <laughs> well, it's just funny that Alexis has got the uh, the Hispanic first name, and his brothers ended up with Kevin, and he's got another brother called Francis as well. It's just it's just brilliant. You just wonder what they must be thinking in Buenos Aires when they see some sort of form or something that's been filled out with a signature on and they see Kevin McAllister. They must think, who's this guy turning up? And it's just a, a legitimate Argentine footballer. Yeah, I think his, his dad's Panini sticker is is one that makes me laugh every time. Just He just looks like a Scottishman that's got lost and missed the, missed the plane back to Scotland and just thought, ah, sod it, I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> I like this place. It's not as cold as uh, Glasgow, so I'll, uh, I'll stay here for a bit. But, I mean, he, he played with Maradona as well, didn't he, in the... In the Copper America, I heard the other day he, he played with with Maradona, and his sons won the World Cup with Messi. So that's quite a bloodline. Yeah, absolutely, and no doubt his performances for Brighton will continue to catch the eye throughout the course of the season. And maybe, with no disrespect to Brighton, we might see him pinched and move to a bigger club as well in the near future. We will find out in around 10 days' time when the January transfer window does open. Always an interesting one, the January window, but even more so this time around because we've had that World Cup break. But fear not, Premier League action is back. If you're having withdrawal symptoms, if the two days of no football between World Cup and Carabao Cup wasn't enough for you, the Premier League will be back properly on Boxing Day. And we'll be back on Friday to preview those games. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you can join us. But from myself, Marley and Joel, that is it for today's episode of Football Social Daily and we'll speak to you on the next one. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.